Hello, and welcome to Movies We Dig, the podcast about movies, antiquity, and everything in between. I'm Christy Vogler. I'm Colin McCormick. And I'm Elijah Fleming. And today we have a very special guest, Deb Trusty from the University of Iowa, where she is a lecturer. And today we are talking about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So this is our second go at a video game, and we are stoked for this one. So Deb, thank you for joining us. And our most important question we always start with is, do you dig this? Oh my gosh. Hi, Christy. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. Um, And yes, I do dig this. I love Assassin's Creed Odyssey. How how long have you played it now? Because um, I have I ran out of time to play it and it has a lot going on. It does. And this is where I'm gonna like confess my gamer truths, I suppose. The type of gamer that I am is a puzzle uh city building kind of strategy game player so rpg battling that's not necessarily my gig uh and add a what does this have 60 gameplay hours at least just to get through yeah, at least at least to get through like the minimum i think mine are each at like 90 something like that yeah it's long and you know mm-hmm. you do origins which is set in ancient greece and or sorry ancient egypt and then odyssey set in ancient greece and that's just that's a lot of time but i actually love and prefer even more and is a better i think at least way to approach the ancient world for especially people who know nothing about it is the discovery tour for either of these origins or odyssey yeah, so I think I think we're going to end up talking about both because you've done something really cool and have used the discovery mode uh, in the classroom, which is we're we're all teaching to some extent as well, and that was a really exciting thing to. I think I used a playthrough to show the Acropolis of the Periclean building project and everything, and in my Greek Civ class, and like my students were stunned um, at how cool of a recreation it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the discovery tour is. So it's a violent free, right? No one's going to come in and attack you. You can kind of, you're, you're a tourist in the world that they've created. And you can ask people and get tours and just walk around and enjoy the aspect of the game that they spent the most time on, which is really just researching, creating, going through all of the past scholarship. I mean, that in itself is an Everest of work, but then to put on top of it, you know, a narrative game that you've got to play through that is set in an alternate timeline of (laughs) this world where there's the cult of cosmos and, uh, you know, just the general craziness of the Assassin's Creed world adding to it. Why can I not remember the thing that sends them to the past? The animus. The, the animus. The yeah, animus. Yeah. Thank well, you. This, this game comes with like, yeah, you, you still have that framework, right? You got to get, you get them into the past yeah. via this. I have thoughts about that in this franchise generally, but I, sorry. Yeah. No, I think the animus is actually a really, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> I think the animus is a really, really good way of dealing with the issue of gaming in the past. So the animus is the thing, right, that reads your DNA and sends you back into your ancestors' life, but then will desync you if you do something that is irrelevant to what they've done in the past, or like it's 
so-and-so wouldn't have done this. Like early on the very first Assassin's Creed, it's like Ezio wouldn't have killed a, an innocent person. And it's like, that's cute and adorable. He probably did a lot, but okay. <laughs> you just, you just don't want me to break your like narrative and everything. And so it'll desync you and game over and reset. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a brilliant way of coming to the problem of gaming when it comes to game set in the past. What do you do with a, I can't do this in the past. I can't, I shouldn't act the way that I would in Call of Duty or some other sort of game, right? I'm not just going to blaze in there, kill a bunch of people or whatever it is. But instead, they want you to stay on a a path that's going to recreate history somewhat logically. Mm -hmm. So I think that's actually a brilliant way of coming up with gaming in the past is have them not be able to deviate from a certain line. To know, considering um, we only made it, I'm very similar to Deb in that, like, I can do puzzle games, I can do some RPGs that where bet- button mashing will allow me to win a battle. Um, but this whole <laughs> Super Smash Brothers, yeah, Remind me not to play you in Mortal Kombat, yeah, no, no, this Super whole... Smash Brothers is the same where you just hit a bunch of buttons and great, life is wonderful. Yep, yep. but when I've got to hit a certain sequence, Combo and yeah, block, block, you to time your dodge what? just right, yeah. Plus, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're like me where you're the old school gamers where you're used to like Nintendo, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have a joystick that moves your head and another joystick that moves your body. And I end up walking as if I'm like a Picasso picture or something because (laughs) I just, I can't look and move at the same time. So these, yeah, I'm finally getting the hang of it now, but I just don't have, I guess, the patience for a 60 hour game if I get frustrated and stuck at a certain battle. And I would much rather just see the pretty and cool stuff that they've created with this game, Mm -hmm. which honestly makes this world so much better than mm-hmm. any other representation, any other movie um, of the ancient world that I've seen, because I get to go and see the things and I get, you know, agency in the game. I can do what I want and see. And that's why I like the discovery tour. Cause I can go through and if I want to follow their path, fine. But if I want to go over here and watch some guy, making pottery i can do that which i really love that they show all just the the hoi polloi the humdrum of the regular world in the ancient past which we know as like researchers and lecturers and teachers is the hardest part to reconstruct for students is Mm -hmm. what what's the normal person doing we know what the rich alcibiades guy is up to like there's plenty of information on that guy (laughs) but what about the normal dude that's working for a living or the woman in the home? What's her life like? And we finally get little pieces of that recreation with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I love yeah, that. That was, that was yeah. a problem I was having with, like, usually it works to have Andy do the hard fighting stuff. Yep. But then Andy wants to fight the 10 assassins that have shown up. And I'm like, can we go back to the temple and I look at the wall art for a minute? <laughs> are you are you, are you here? Are you getting to the point where you start hearing that horn whenever there's a mercenary after you? It's like, darn. Yep. That means there's like a really tough guy like right in your vicinity, and like, and that was my just I, hand off the happened, thing, just hand it off. I just like I would out loud. I'd be playing the game, and I hear the darn. I'm like, oh god, I'm just in the I'm in the middle of something right now. Um, <laughs> well, and 
it's our world, right? It's like the thing that we've been spending our entire lives researching. And please don't make me fight a guy right now. There's something really interesting <laughs> over here. A woman is on a loom. I want to watch that. Yeah. The, the thing that always happens to me would I, I was be I'd be going around and I'd say like, oh, the a thing that I know is is right around here. Let me go in. And then I walk into this happened. The, I know the example, the Hephaestion, which is a restricted area in the game. And I'm like, oh, then I'm gonna go to the Temple of the Festus in the Agra. And then and I'm like, oh, I'm actually uh, trespassing. And there's like now there's my wanted level has gone way up. Um, yep. so now I got to run around and hide in bushes. Um, Which like I mean, minutes. we do know that that area was well gardened thanks to archaeological evidence. So it's nice to be like, that's right, you did that. But now I got to hide in this bush for a while. Which we know archaeologically existed thanks to all of the work of the American School at the Agora. Yeah, no, Eli, you've been you've been awfully quiet. What's your what's I, your read on this game? I feel like I have the least amount of experience in video games. It was like never part of my childhood. I never had a gaming system. It just like it it wasn't it wasn't for me. Um, and I have really struggled trying to connect with a lot of my friends who are really into games and, and my husband who, who loves video games. And um, I think I have been reluctant in the past to like take any sort of leap. But in the past like year or so, there are so many cool things that you can do and see and experience in a video game that is very different than a movie. And I think I've always thought of like a movie as like, oh yeah, that is my ideal media consumption is a movie or like reading a book. Um, and this is something in between. And so I, I watched a whole lot of playthroughs for this. And I just, I remember when I, I taught a Greek Civ class in 2019. So it was like right after this came out, I had students come up to me and were like, oh my God, have you played? Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I was like I am not that cool <laughs> but I'm glad you think I am I guess <laughs> but I had students in my class come up like be so excited of like I like met this character like I met Sophocles in the game and like I met Herodotus and I'm playing this game and I was like that's cool <laughs> and so I learned from my students they came and they showed me some of their playthroughs of mainly the temples they were like look at the temple of hercules that or heracles that we were just talking about in class look at this cool reconstruction that they did um so i have had just like a really kind of a crush on this game or i'm just like i want i want to be involved with it but i i haven't been able to you know get an actual playthrough myself um but i really would like to somehow and i think it's so cool to use this as a teaching tool because I think the students are already there. Like it's something that they already have this language with and this familiarity with. So I love the idea of using it to sort of talk about the ancient world with them. Yeah. When I was, when I started teaching at Florida state university as a graduate student, um, I was teaching classical myth and I had students, this is, I'm not going to date myself too much, but I'm going to say the two thousands, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, in that decade, I had students coming A up millennium we are, in which we are still in. Yes. Well, uh, uh, when we're in the 2020s, but the aughts. How about that? I'll leave it at that decade, like in the aughts. And I had students coming up to me even then and were like, hey, have you played uh, Age of Mythology? 
And I was like, no, but I played Age of Empires a ton because that's my mm -hmm. jam type of game. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, you'd love Age of Mythology then. And so I finally played it actually on my Twitch channel as a way of being like, all right, you guys have been begging me to play. My students have been begging me to play this for like 15 years. I'm finally going to play it. But until then, I was just like, okay, you guys are really into this sort of thing. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's fun to watch like, I don't know, documentaries that are like, oh, and everyone thought this was just a fad and <laughs> it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's a huge billion trillion dollar industry. Um, consoles are huge. Steam is huge. I mean, it's not going anywhere. And it's a new way, newish way for us to relate. We used to do classics and cinema courses, right? And be like, this is how you can relate, you young people. And <laughs> now I don't see why we couldn't have a classics and video game. Or classics and board game, classics and yes. gaming in general, right? Yes. Um, these are ways that we're retelling history and myth from the ancient world to make sense of our own world in a way. Um, and so it's it's doing the same things that like Plato and everyone else is talking about that tells us in the past. You wanna you wanna have entertainment, sure, but you also wanna teach and um, movies, myths. Why not video games too? So that's my pitch for video game classes. My mythology class right now is kind of a backdoor that class because it's a lot of I talk I spend a lot of time talking about Hades. I spend a lot of time talking about um, mostly Hades, but a few other games. I haven't brought up Phoenix Rising yet, but maybe I should. Uh, but on, on sort of the sort of a, a, a pivoty thing, because we, we were talking a little bit about the sort of role of agency, which is kind of the main difference that that's really separates video games out from other media is the role of like player agency that you can affect choices and that was a big even in the arc of assassin's creed games themselves was a big sort of objective for the design team this is a ubisoft game and they're one of the bigger uh game studios uh, right now operating we call them probably a triple a title this is a classic example of a triple a title but in contrast to previous assassin's creed games which are a little bit more linear this game was deliberately designed and it was designed sort of in uh, concert with Origins. They're kind of were in development more or less at the same time. And then Origins came out just maybe a year ahead and it was almost like a test run. But compared to other Assassin's Creed games, this one has a lot more sort of choice consequence, like sort of choice trees that re result in different results, different endings, people live or die. But then as we were sort of talking about that sort of kind of almost runs you up into this problem with a sort of game that's so rooted in history. Well, like there's a ceiling kind of on your choices. And this leads me to actually, um, I'm a little bit of the naysayer and like I have my sort of take on this game is I think it's a really great representation of ancient Greece, but kind of a mediocre video game. Um, cause I think there are better examples of this kind of game, but I can get into that later. But this sort of problem where like, okay, like I can go here, you know, see this, but I'm sort of almost like a fly on the wall of history which is cool, but then at the same time, like the history is still going to play out more or less. Like the plague is going to hit Athens or Sparta's eventually going to win the war. Phidias is going to die. Pericles is going to die. Um, we're moving, we're kind of working in and around. We're sort of massaging how they die and things like that. But there's sort of this, there's like, there's like sort of bumpers on our, on our lane. If I'm going to use a bowling. Yeah. Analogy. Like hard rules. There's hard rules and there's soft rules. Hard yeah. rules are people's got, mm -hmm. people got to die. People got to be present. You can't yeah. just take out Alcibiades. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know why you would. He's, he's amazing. By far he's the, best. the most <laughs> drama or like that guy's made for Hollywood. I feel like there's like real oh life God, of yes. Alcibiades is just something that would hit 
Yes. I think when Christy and I were literally yeah. texting about this, she yeah. like sent me the video that's like all Alcibiades cutscenes. I was like, just watch this. <laughs> it's perfect. It's just like, yes, Beautiful. that's that's my Alcibiades. It's this like reckless, lust hungry, very emotional, very unbalanced. Like you can see Socrates just being like, I'm so doomed. I'm in so <laughs> yeah. much trouble. And his horniness. His horniness for Socrates, which oh, I did like. That's also like so that, that Alcibiades was very horny for Socrates in a way that sort of defies logic. Yeah. Um, I taught Greek Civ last semester and I told him, it's like, you guys, we're going to get to my favorite figure in Greek history. And unfortunately, it's not a woman. It is, in fact, this man. As much as I love Aspasia in this. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, She's yes. great in this. Or Aspasia, if we want to do. I love the pronunciations of all oh, the modern Greek pronunciations are so much better. They're just. Mm -hmm. And I love this about this game. They got actors, voice actors from Greece or that mm -hmm. were Greek, modern Greek speakers and let them do what they want to do with mm -hmm. it. You, yes. you say it in your words. We can't say how, and I don't think we should say how ancient Greek was spoken and hold that as a truth forever. Languages change just like myths, just like everything else. So let the language speak for itself in its modern context. And I love like Socrates instead mm -hmm. of Socrates, which, yeah, it's just, was it it's e so much more passionate. Evoripides. I was like, oh, yeah. oh yes, yeah. that's exactly how they would say it in the modern, but I've never considered saying it that way. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what Alcibiades was, how they said it. Alcibiades. Alcibiades, yes. <laughs> you just got to like roll it off your tongue. It's just like yeah. this, ah. Ali for short. I'm like, Allie. when they like you, you get a pet name. <laughs> On the note of voice actors, so uh, Melisanthi Mahout, uh, is, who voices Cassandra, mm -hmm. but she you probably you might recognize her. She was in Eurovision. She is the Greek. Uh, I forget what her character. Of course name. she was. Um, of course she was in Eurovision. Yeah, oh, love it. I forget what her character's name. And the the other one, uh, Michael Antonakos, is Alexios. But then Eli Elias Tufexis, who we've talked about on this podcast because he's the voice of Seraphim mm -hmm. in Blood mm -hmm. of Zeus. Right, right. And love. there's a story that he, when he auditioned, he his audition was reading scenes from The Godfather, but in an accent. And he basically said, "Like I just used like my grandparents' accent." Oh, I'm dying. It's so good. <laughs> And they also had, they had for all of the dialogue, like this game has a lot more dialogue than a lot of other Assassin's Creed games mm -hmm. uh, because one, there's just a lot more dialogue options and two, because you need it twice. You need it one for Alexios and one for Cassandra. Mm -hmm. And there was a Greek actor who basically read all of the lines, like all of the dialogue out for the other voice actors who weren't, who weren't Greek so they could have a consistent pronunciation schema. Just That's the attention to detail is spectacular. I was I was doing speaking of attention to detail, like occasionally, like <laughs> I had a moment where the one thing where it's so good, except when they get to the pediments of temples and the yes. menopes. And the first thing I did in discovery mode is I climbed up the side of the Parthenon and I was like, these are the wrong metapes. Stop it. Zero That's exactly what I did too. Zero stars out of five. Would not recommend. No, it was good because, and then I think they used all of the, the ones from Olympia. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or basically they just copied. They like just all copy the paste. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which like, there are limits, I, I understand. But the Acropolis, but like, the we, temple. We those. We like, come on. I mean, this is the thing yeah. that like only a classics PhD is going to notice. Exactly. And, and I think that's what they intentionally did is they were like, look, 
let's save time where we can save time, but let's mm -hmm. show the detail when we need to. So yeah. other good example is like the Athena Promaco statue on the Acropolis. That thing is not that big. It's not <laughs> like a hundred feet from what we can tell 40 feet max because it's mm -hmm. pure bronze and yes okay you can see the glint from piraeus but piraeus is only seven miles away it doesn't need to be giant huge like towering over the propylia for example probably wasn't like so those little things are like was it that big but you know why they're doing it right yeah. because monumentalism hollywood we want to have the sparkle the like monumentality of everything we want to make it big and sexy and it can't be big and sexy if it's three times larger than a human right <laughs> and th this is for example they talked about they deliberately made sparta fancier than it probably would have been in real life because and even like sort of famously in Thucydides he says something in the very beginning of his history of the Peloponnesian War where he's like if you went to Sparta in a in hundred years afterwards and you would probably think it wasn't a very important city because there isn't a lot of physical remains there mm -hmm. and even today Sparta is a fairly modest city and you would not necessarily suspect that they were as important as they were and so there's a decision because Sparta comes with so much baggage in particularly since 2007, uh, but so much sort of cultural baggage in the modern sort of American or North American or um, Anglophone world that they sort of, they, they, they pumped Sparta up. And they did this with other stuff too. Like one of my kind of, not misgivings, but a thing that sort of bugged me is like they, they added stuff elsewhere that in, in some ways kind of undermines the real things. Like there's, for example, in Cephalonia, there's an insanely massive statue of Poseidon or like some of the stuff they invented to kind of make Greece feel more mythological or epic or, or, or monumental kind of undercuts that like, because like in, in, in the game, you wouldn't think the Parthenon was that special because there's other stuff that's like <laughs> more impressive in some ways. Yeah. And then there's stuff like if you go to the around Delphi, there's a temple where there's a skeleton of a gigantic snake. <laughs> yeah. That was the part where I was like, yeah, you guys yeah, are kind of like, losing me now. Really? Like, you're jumping sharks here or jumping snakes. Jumping. <laughs> yeah. Well, but then there's this, there's in addition to the sort of animus conceit with that underlies the whole franchise, it's because it's, you know, this long you know, sequences of games of people having to go back in time and to, to re-experience historical events because there's a secret war between secret societies. And um, I want to talk about that stuff in a, in a minute. But there's also like an ancient aliens bent to these games uh -huh. because they're trying to discover alien artifacts that let you like control people or give you extra technology. Yeah, yeah I don't like that part, Colin. Mm -hmm. Shocking, shocking though. <laughs> That people don't like the ancient aliens argument. However, I will argue, my students always are like, aliens, it's a BS you know, thing. I'm like, yes, I agree. Like, obviously I'm with you on this. But the Greeks had their own theories that kind of were ancient alien-like theories of the mythological, like the Cyclopes built this. Mm -hmm. No human could build this. The Cyclopes build it. That's why it's called Cyclopean masonry. Mm -hmm. And... That's just because they couldn't believe that earlier peoples couldn't move these big rocks. And so we have the same thing. So I think it's interesting to see like this continuity of human disbelief in previous humans. And we attribute it now to aliens or whatever. They did the same thing. Shockingly. I wanted to ask you guys about the like the Hollywoodization, I guess, as as I think 
you kind of brought that that aspect up because I definitely noticed a lot of I don't know callbacks to like 300 yeah yeah the 300 looms really heavy in this game like the opening sequence the kind of tutorial level is basically a reenactment of 300 at least they put armor on them though at least they did yeah Mm -hmm. but there's also like spartan kick is like one of the things you can do right yeah Yeah, like to kick people off cliffs or high ledges or something which i gotta i will say is at a certain level kind of deeply satisfying when i line up right and like kick somebody off the side of a boat or like off the side of a cliff um but but yeah no like there there's definitely like they're also working within and we talk about this a lot on the show of the kind of the the meeting point of like what we know via text or archaeology or other sort of academic means and then sort of how we understand the past via popular media or things like that. And like a game like this is trying to sort of meet somewhere in the middle and the incorporation of the 300 or, or the incorporation of 300 the movie is an example of like like that. Yeah. I was I was just thinking how um, reflecting because we've been doing so much Roman stuff lately, but it's Roman history that so much of the events are. And there's like some Roman myth aspects that never get put into film because they're almost crazier than the Greek stuff. And then so much of Greek history is this myth history that they've generated with 300 being kind of the weird exception that that is one of the few historical touchstones a lot of people have through media is oh yeah leonidas he has a spear he died at thermopylae and that's all i've got and that like the peloponnesian war is fascinating um but we haven't and like that's i besides like being excited that alcibiades was in here like i have said forever it's like why is there we have a movie of alexander why can't we get alcibiades like it would be excellent it'd be so much fun that man's and a like, train no wreck. one touches like, come it. Come on, <laughs> James Franco. James Franco. <gasps> oh my goodness. James Franco as Alcibiades. <laughs> yeah, it would be like like one of the. I'm trying to think of like a comparable movie, but like a movie about a person who's like a complete like like you said a train wreck. He's a hot, he's a hot mess express. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, he is like, the definition of failing up. Yeah. Until like, he just can't anymore. What like death and Logan death and loathing in las vegas or something like that it's just like fear and loathing fear and loathing yeah i can't even remember <laughs> movies this is our other sort of larger call is that not all movies necessarily need to be action adventure sword and sandal like there's rooms in the ancient world for other genre like comedy or mm-hmm. you know um or like I'm, i don't know why but i keep thinking about ladybird or something like i don't think alcibiades is particularly like ladybird but something like that about like a person who's like kind of figuring stuff out or maybe is a little bit i don't know or like accidentally successful almost i think silicon valley when i think failing upward Mm -hmm. yes just like walk into something and you're like oh crap i don't know what i'm doing here (laughs) but i guess it's working (laughs) leonardo dicaprio then james franco like i feel like those guys both yes so this might be a good, we talked about Alcibiades a little bit, but the other sort of like one of the staples of Assassin's Creed games, particularly starting with two, although it's a little bit in one, is like you go back in time and you're this assassin and you get to meet historical characters. So like in the in the first game, you get to meet like Richard the Lionhearted and maybe Saladin. It's been a long time since I played it. And you meet other historical characters, but they're like nobody anyone knows about. Like they're just a lot of the people you kill in the first game are like actual like crusaders and <laughs> princes who actually did die around that time. But they're not like you wouldn't really recognize that, you know, Guy de Lusignan or whatever. Yeah. Well, and then you go to the American Revolution even 
and yeah and you get to meet like george washington yeah, and exactly. franklin's like, like building real people yeah or like there's one in the french revolution and mm-hmm. there's one in um there's one in like the uh, industrial like 18th century um, 17th yeah, 19th like 18th century, century England. London. yeah yeah, like, uh, and so that's like a staple. And so one of the reasons they picked the Peloponnesian War is because it's this real sort of concentrated period of big names, you know, Socrates, Alcibiades, mm-hmm. Euripides. So anyways, this is a long walk for me to get to, like, your favorite characters, who'd you like interacting with in the game? Are there any depictions like we really sort of thought nailed it or maybe didn't nail it? Um, Herodotus is actually one of my more favorite ones. Just because he kind of follows you around or you follow him around. Like, the two of you are pretty close throughout the entire game. And it just kind of feels like that whenever I read Herodotus. That he's like this flashy guy, wants to really talk about what he knows. (laughs) Wants to talk about himself and what he knows and show off how much he knows. Uh, wants to give you advice is clearly like you know that's how i feel herodotus would be after reading his work so i really i feel like that's one of the the characters that they just hit home um and for me when so the this is my like nerddom um when i found out that they were making an assassin's creed uh, uh set in greece originally i was like oh well there's no way that they're going to go into my time period which is classical and earlier because they have origins which is set in roman egypt right like you see julius caesar i was like man this me it's called origins they're not gonna go back any further than this i'm never gonna see my classical greece this really sucks and so there were rumors out there that it was gonna be like roman greece right that well we're gonna show roman greece i was like oh god like (laughs) that just sounds terrible this poor like country or group of people or you know group of cities that used to be great and now are stuck under like this leadership and are forced into like basically become college towns and have to deal with these like college brats from rome coming in every year and taking over their city it's like iowa city or anywhere else like (laughs) oh man here we go again that sort of thing so i was really bummed and then i remember they showed an e3 they did their premiere at e3 showing the trailer the very first trailer with detail and they just panned over athens and i was like this isn't roman this isn't roman athens at all and then you start hearing like cutscenes, and they start talking and i hear what sounds like herodotus or thucydides or something of like someone's reading something historical i was like oh this is set in classical Greece. This is set in classical Greece. And I just like screamed throughout the entire household. I was like, it's set in Greece. It's set in real Greece. Oh my God. And my husband, not an academic, not an archaeologist, doesn't care about Greece, just sat there and was like, what has happened? (laughs) Who is this person that I have married at this point? That I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm so excited. Like jumping up and down the house. People are like, my dog is going insane. Legitimate geek out moment and i can't tell you just how happy i was just to hear it's gonna be in classical period greece which for everyone is like 490 to 332 bce and oh man it just was such a breath of fresh air i really didn't want to see roman greece ubisoft don't do roman greece Mm -mm. 
Yeah, and that, that kind of spring, brings me back to it's like that. That's just it. It's like Greek his, history. Like we love the myths, but history is so so entertaining and mm-hmm. so amazing to discuss. And there's so many interesting figures. Like I still love teaching all of my students that the first woman to win an Olympics game is Kaniska, a Spartan princess. I like right couldn't actually officially compete, <laughs> but she bragged like she was the shit. And right. I'm like, yes, yes, this is what I'm here for. Yeah. And I like, yeah, I understand that excitement of like, and th- that was why I was like, Alcibiades, I was so excited about it. It's like, this is such a character. Why does no one want to portray, you know, we, we can get a bunch of Hercules. We can get a bunch of Achilles. There's so many interesting people who were real historical figures. Why aren't we talking about them and showing them like, because they're fascinating too, but we'll do Julius Caesar and we'll do Marcus Aurelius and over all and of them, again. Roman yeah. people all the time. Yeah. I feel like Roman myth suffers, this, like you were saying, Roman myth suffers what Greek history suffers because mm-hmm. there's no good Aeneid out there yeah, like true. there's no good Aeneid where's a good Aeneid we have plenty of odysseys they're not really good but they're they're fine like we don't have a good Aeneid yeah we don't have this good Greek history the the Peloponnesian war itself is just it's so deep I think that it would be hard to unpack in a movie but this game I think does a really good job of it and showing the and moving on the assassin's lore or saga or whatever in a way that's also useful like the cult of cosmos is an interesting idea to me i like it because of the idea of the corruption of pythia uh, mm-hmm. or pythia mm-hmm. at Delphi. that idea is something that you know they were very concerned about they were obviously very concerned about corruption of delphi and you can see it in the archaeology athens does it all the time where they're like we're gonna give you a temple delphi please tell the spartans to leave us alone or (laughs) invade or do whatever we want them to do right alchemionids yeah so (laughs) that sort of stuff is like oh man they really understood and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they hired an actual archaeologist to do the research and to do the work. So her name is um, Stephanie Ann Ruada, um, PhD in ancient languages, right? Um, she's from France, which is perfect because the Ubisoft company that was in charge of this one, the branch was the one in Montreal. Montreal? Yeah. Think, yeah like, so they- Origins were Quebec's, I think. Yes, yeah. City. Mm-hmm. So they needed like someone French speaking. And when I first started to- try and figure out how I can use this in the classroom. My husband actually recommended, he was like, why don't you just email Ubisoft people and see if they'd be interested in providing some information. I was like, there's no way they even care. There's no way. They're not going to care. They're a big company. They're not going to care about this. But I did it anyway. And lo and behold, got an email back from them um, and started talking to a couple people. They actually have a branch for outreach and education. Um, to try and get their games more into the research and um, school side, education side of things. So they provided, uh, they said they could provide us with a bunch of stuff. They provided me with a bunch of resources, scripts, basically, um, images, you know, all of that stuff. But it's very clear. And they told me, like, from the very beginning, they were they were using archaeologists for um, information on how to recreate this. And so they hired 
RADA full time in order to make sure that they were being as close to truthful to the information as they could within the limits of their medium, within the limits of their their goals as well. You want to make it entertaining, so. Um, and they mentioned too that they took like I think Ruata was kind of the like was the guide kind of, but they took a ten day tour of Greece where they went to Athens and Crete and Sparta and a couple other places, and then their other sort of experts and archaeologists and historians came in to kind of fill in the details. But yeah, this is a very this is a very sort of research heavy game, and it and you can see it even in the that discovery tour. I only really started doing that this week to sort of prepare for this episode but but yeah like every sort of tour they give you the sort of breakdown of the site and then there's like a like would you like to learn more and you kind of like can pull up and you can read a little bit about whatever it is myth or history yeah exactly. uh, but i'm going to return to sort of the the initial sort of question about sort of other characters that they're depicting because i want to also we mentioned alcibiades we mentioned herodotus but i feel like the other big one is socrates mm-hmm. and what we thought about socrates I mean, you have to say like, okay, we got to have a pug nose kind of guy, a pig nose, pug nose kind of guy, right? We have to make him look like a satyr. That's what everything says in like the symposium when Alcibiades, you know, saying that the origin of love is Socrates himself because he's, he's just this this man that you can't resist. Ugly at first, but beautiful on the inside, right? And I feel like they do a really good job of making him the mystery of a guy that he is, the legend of a guy that he is. He just feels legendary in that way, the way that they've reconstructed him. But he I think they kind of got the like that he's equal parts sort of intelligent and obnoxious. Yes. Where you know, like the, you do want to like at a certain point you're like Socrates you talk to Socrates long enough and you're like I'm going to I'm going to punch you in the face. You. I wish yeah. that yeah, my students were really mad actually when they found out that they couldn't punch anything in discovery <laughs> mode. So when you're in discovery mode, you can't punch. And they were like, why can't I punch this guy? And I was just like, you know, sometimes you can't. One of my hot takes, one of the first (laughs) times I had to teach a sort of Greek text in in Greek was the first thing I think I ever taught was the Apology, which is like, I am not a philosopher. I'm not particularly well-versed in Greek oratory or prose. And I'm not a really big Plato fan, admittedly. And like one of my hot takes was like, if I lived in Athens and was a citizen, I would have condemned socrates oh yeah i would have been like like, yeah get this guy out of here he's the worst yeah because he comes up under the city and he's like what do you think goodness is i'm like i don't know man and like and then and he's like do you think you're a smart person and you're like i'm like maybe and then he's like well i'm actually the smartest person ever the oracle told me so i'm like jesus fucking christ (laughs) yeah Um, exactly that you're like okay we get it you think you're all hot that's great and then of course on your trial i kind of wish that like we got to go to Socrates' trial or something in this because cool. that would just be that classic. Awesome. And we don't even see Alcibiades as sort of main. What I we think, don't see his downfall. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is a young, because this game is set in 430-ish. It plays a little fast and loose with the time. Because yeah. I think like mm-hmm. the first time card you get is like 432. Mm-hmm. But like some of the events, like the We're building up to the war. We're not mm-hmm. there. And yeah. then all of a sudden we are there and then... We're in this liminal zone and you're like, oh, it's the plague. So I must be in 429, 425, because yeah. we know like we, there were ebbs and mm-hmm. flows to this plague. Mm-hmm. And we like we get Amphipolis, which is another thing we have like a hard yeah. date on. Yeah. And yeah. there's another battle scene. But yeah, the, we get some hard dates. So it's sort of like, it's my thing. It's, it's happening over a sort of indeterminate period of time. But yeah, Alcibiades were, were at least maybe... 10, 15 years-ish out from his big sort of, I mean, the thing I always think about when I think of Alcibiades is famously one night in Athens, a bunch of sacred statues 
these herms got mutilated or graffitied or destroyed overnight and Castrated, maybe he was involved yeah exactly yeah <laughs> somebody went around knocking all the phalluses off the statues Herm and... shoppers somewhere <laughs> there is a basket of penises stone mm-hmm. penises somewhere it. and it's i so just great. i want to know it's, it's in the and vatican that's where yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so alcibiades yeah we so we don't quite see alcibiades fall we don't see socrates's sort of fall i'm trying to think of other characters uh, i think the see. inclusion the one... of hippocrates is very interesting too because yeah. unlike some figures like we have the Hippocratic Corpus and the Hippocratic Oath, and we have this guy who's starting modern, well, he's starting rational medicine. He's starting to become a treatise, but we don't necessarily know a lot about the guy himself. And so to see him personified is is really interesting. And he's, you know, being your healer, so to speak, to help yeah. you out with some things. And this is one of those cases where I think the game does a lot of um, maybe like shorthand kind of thing where like he sort of behaves like a very modern doctor in a way that even maybe the historical figure Hippocrates, as far as we can, what we can, because like Chris was saying, some of the texts attributed to Hippocrates, probably not by Hippocrates or probably written much at, much later, you know, it's, he sort of, he acts a little bit more modern than we probably would expect. Okay. The other instance I was thinking where that really stood out to me is anytime you interact with like actors in the in the game, like there's a couple of quests where you have to like get an actor to do something, and the sort of the way theater because I was the one of my interests and things I know most about in the classical period is is theater and you know the way they they the way they do theater is more like how we sort of think about modern actors or theaters or stuff like that. Like I don't think we see them with masks, or maybe we do, or maybe we don't. Because there's yeah, one point where you basically, yeah. you, you basically have to restate, you have to help Aristophanes basically put on the knights, which is going to like be his big middle finger, like the public teardown of Cleon. Which I love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so there's like a mission where you have to go and you have to like, you have to find his best actor who's like drunk in a bar or something, or like <laughs> confessing his, or he, he's like, went, went out. you have to, or like you, to get him to perform, you have to go to his like favorite um, Hetaira and like get her to help out or something like that. I love that, that like some of the, the side quests are, I would call that almost mundane. It's like, it's not like some <laughs> of them are like, go kill this person or like go find this treasure but some of it is just like go drag this bar. drunken actor out of the back of a bar, and it's just it's Eli, so normal. If you like mundane gameplay, I need to introduce you to the best game. I think is the greatest game on the world in the on the world. But that is Red Dead Redemption Two, where like you literally have to cook your own meals yes. every day. Yeah, also um, where you and- can like run your horse. So fast that if you run or into somebody, you kill game, them. I feel like. Oh, well, Yakuza game, you can play like like um the claw game. Like there's like yeah, you play, or you go game. and you like uh you go baseball, you go to baseball uh, like batting cages. Mm-hmm. How boring is that? And yet, it's one of my husband's favorite things to do in that game. Is that one or do karaoke in Yakuza? That's yes. another oh, one yes. of his favorites. Anyone who's ever played Witcher 3 knows that it's not really a yes. game about a monster hunter. It's really a game about a card collecting game inside. <laughs> yeah, of Gwent. Oh my god. Um, yes, Gwent. Gwent uh, is Gwent. the best there we go. game. There we go. Yeah. Andy's all about all of the anything where you are gambling. 
you will mm-hmm. find <laughs> in a game and spend like an hour doing. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah, there's so many games. That I was like, this would be a better <laughs> game as just the mini games. Can I just have the mini games and mm-hmm. not the actual game? Amazing. Yeah. Is- but Eli, actually, like for real, like Red Dead Redemption, I actually do think is the greatest video game and also the best adaptation of the Odyssey. But uh, <laughs> that's for another show. Oh, interesting. Um, but that- interesting theory you have there, my friend. I'm gonna come back around to that later. No, but um, but like that's yeah. There's a lot of like mundaneness, but actually, I think that really like bakes you into the world, and you get really yeah. involved, and like you get sort of integrated with it. Uh, I forget how I was going with this. Um, we were talking about Socrates. We were talking about you see some other famous figures like Sophocles and Euripides. I was a little bummed that I thought Euripides got short shrift because he's my favorite. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really. There's not really much to do with Euripides. He's just kind of there. Yeah. I, I just want to, like, I'm of the humble opinion that for all of his plays he created, he must have been consulting with women to some extent. Like, I'm not saying, I'm saying he's kind of proto-feminist and he had to have, like, really actually considered some women's voices because especially a lot of his characters are, his main protagonists are women. And, like, some of the things they're saying is like, gosh, that that rings true in a lot of ways and so like that could have been yeah i agree with colin on that assessment that uh they really shortchanged him because i, I like well it. he's also still a few years out right because his most famous plays are not gonna be for maybe another 10 years Until, or so. yeah like, much later in the, can, yeah, yeah. however i will uh, point out one major anachronism which is the erectheon mm-hmm. which wasn't oh, yeah. finished until 403 ish mm-hmm. Um, so after the war was over, it finally gets finished and they show it full, they show it full, um, on the Acropolis completed and everything. And I get why, I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't not show the Caryactids on the Acropolis. It's one of like next to the Parthenon. It's the second major like thing that people take their photo next to, even though those aren't the real ones up there, people, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Well, and that's that's something that is very interesting. Like it, you talked about the setting being in the classical world with the Peloponnesian War, even though the Persian War is probably what is most famously in American minds, at least when talking about. And I, I've talked about this in my class before of the if you go up to the Acropolis today, there's been many buildings that have been on top of that Acropolis over the centuries and millennia. And it is what does Greece choose to exude as representative of their culture? And it, it's very distinctive. And that is what has been brought into this game. And I think we've talked about that with um, Blood of Zeus and other things, too. When you're recreating the Greek world, you're kind of just focusing on what is the most popular imagery in the imagination. And you can't have the Acropolis without the Erechtheon. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. It just doesn't compute. Yeah. Yeah. And like similarly, like even in Rome, when Mussolini sort of engineers the the forum, he mm-hmm. says like we want it to be Augustan, even though all of the temples and stuff that you can see in the forum today are from like the third and fourth centuries yeah. or later. He wants it to be we want to we dig down to the Augustus level, you know, when Rome is top dog, and no further, you know, or or no less, and and things like that. But on the sort of the flip side, another speak we've talked a lot about Athens, but you know, there's the wider Greek world that you get to go to, and. The part that I was particularly interested in, one of the sites that I want to go to first is, um, as I say, Epidavros in in the game. Because when I was uh, at the ASCSA in, in the American School of Classics, the American School of Classics in Athens, I had to give a field report at Epidavros. And so I know all about it. And I noticed when I went there, I'm like, oh, 
they're still constructing the Tholos temple, which is right because that wasn't finished until, and there was something I remember the temple construction there was waylaid because they, they ran out of money or something like halfway through. So like they built a bunch at first and then they had to like piecemeal it together. And so it had this like kind of lurch to the finish line the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the, the, when this, when you go to all the Hippocrates sort of quests and I was like, Oh, they're still building the Tholos temple. So like, that's right. Like it would still be sort of partially completed. Um, and the Abaton is there or like part of it is there. Which, you know, that there's like little attentions to detail that, that actually I occasionally go. I have a reverse story about another site that I hate, but I'll talk about that later. <laughs> Ooh, I want to know though. <laughs> yeah, tell okay. us. The point, I, I'm just going to come out swinging. Is it Mycenae? No, Mycenae, Mycenae is a little weird. It seemed, Mycenae was kind of unrecognizable to me. Yeah. But maybe that's just because it just looks very different in the game than what it's like in real life yeah. now. But um, no, the site that I'm just going to come out swinging. Glaw, I hate that place. Glaw can, Glaw can suck a huge donkey, donkey balls. Uh, that site today is a huge disappointment. <laughs> like I feel like uh, I, just, I just I don't know what to do with Glaw, honestly. So Glaw for for basically everyone because um, is is this site? It's a it's a Bronze Age site of a huge city that used to be kind of near Thebes, and but today but not basically yeah because. <laughs> Because we're going to build a giant fortification wall around a not palace site. And it's like in this lake, but today it's basically like it's in the middle of this like drained out what used to be a lake and it's drained out. And I just remember getting like like walking across this like basically desert up to this hill. And there's like there's this in it's the it's the summer in Greece. Mm-hmm. So it's like 100 degrees out. And they're like, this is Gla. And it was like a huge city, but we don't really know anything about it because it's never mentioned anywhere. But we know that there was a huge city here or a fortress or something. And I'm just looking and it's just like a bunch of rocks and I'm just like, this place. Yeah. Um, it's out in the middle so of when- nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere. This is coming from me, a Mycenaean archaeologist, who is just like, Gla is a weird and not great site to go to. Gla, so- more like blah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, actually that, that the ongoing joke. joke is like, blah. That, yeah. And you said it's near Thebes, right? I remember like we, we did a, when I studied abroad to Greece, we did a, a trip to like Northern Greece and we did Pella and Vergina and things like that. And then we got, our buses got stuck somewhere and my Greek professor literally, he, he's the one who taught ancient Macedonian history. He's like, this is the armpit of Greece. Like, <laughs> so it's Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that and having lived in Florida. I just, I remember playing the game. And I think my partner might have been right next. She might have been right next to me when I did this. And I saw that, like, like the map icon, like when you discover a place that like glows up, and it's like you found, and it went glow. And I went like out loud. I was like, F- "This." <laughs> um, <laughs> you just throw your controller in the air. I'm done. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, and the other things, the thing that didn't make, the one thing that didn't make into the game that I'm bummed about was um, the Temple of Apollo at. Um, Basai, the one in the oh, middle yeah. of Oh, yeah, the one out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere. Yeah, because that's, that's a funky – no, and they what? don't have Mount Lacan either, which is another, like, minor grievance of my own. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, because that's, like, one of the, the – the Temple of Apollo is, like, a weirdly interesting temple because it's got, like, every style and there's, yeah. like – it's built in a very bizarre way. Well, it was built by Peloponnesian mercenaries, too. Of like war mercenaries that were like, we have too much money. So maybe their logic behind it is like, well, it may not have been built right around like, but it was built by Peloponnesian mercenaries, people that were making way too much money off of the Peloponnesian War. So yeah, that's an 
interesting one for sure. I was like, Gla makes it in, but the pol- I'm like, well, uh, all right. Again, zero stars would not recommend. <laughs> yeah. It is out I, in the middle of nowhere. I really want to go see, okay, because I haven't gotten that far. We did the Palace of um, Odysseus on Ithaca, and that was pretty fun because I was Mycenaean, and it was like, okay, this is cool. I like this. So uh-huh. I haven't gotten much further than that, but then I saw, like, I watched some video clips with Alcibiades because that was my jam. And they're like, oh, Olympia, like, Olympia is a site to behold during, like, the truce time. And and I'm like, isn't it just basically, like, a giant Woodstock event with a bunch of sweaty athletes? And then <laughs> people are camping out. Yeah, and- people are camping outside. Like, it's, yeah, Woodstock is a good way to describe it. Plus, yeah, it, yeah. like, it's low and swampy and it's just it's it's gonna it's gonna get covered up by a bunch of clay and silt after mm-hmm. the Christians tear down the temple and yeah like, it's yeah, not in the a, best location yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the thing about like romanticizing the past that Hollywood does really well video games do really well um, I do appreciate Assassin's Creed for making everything look dirty. Mm-hmm. However, like yeah. it's not clean and pretty. Things are pretty rough. And Aspasio or Aspasia is very straightforward about how much it sucks to be a woman mm-hmm. in ancient Greece. So kudos to her for that one of just being like, no, we don't leave the house. The only reason I do is because I'm not a citizen of this city mm-hmm. and I get to have sex with Pericles. <laughs> She's kind of killing it, all things considered. But. Yeah. yeah, dude. Talk about failing up. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of, uh, this also kind of leads me just to the idea of like at the more kind of narrative level that this game, they, there was a conscious decision basically by the creators to be like, look, that we're like, so the main character or sort of the, well, not the default, but the sort of intended character, the main character is really Cassandra. And then even though Alexios is the one who sort of promoted and all of the the imagery and the promotional material and things like that, it's really like sort of Cassandra. And you can kind of tell when you play that like the game was designed with Cassandra in mind as the sort of default character and this idea of being a woman in ancient Greece and even just like the romantic relations and the, and like sexual relations that you can have. They basically made a decision like this is going to be a point where we're going to sort of we're going to think our heads are going to be in 2020 or 2018 less so than 430 bc yeah because i mean this image of her in armor right Mm -hmm. is not something that you would see in ancient Mm -hmm. greece but i appreciate like that they're they're wanting to give the player this option of putting themselves in there like Mm -hmm. mercenaries were a thing yes i don't know of any female mercenaries in any of our records that would be an interesting thing to hear about in the game, at one point, like Cassandra, as Cassandra, so the two times I've played this game, I, I was Cassandra both times. Mostly just because, like, Alex, I don't feel Alexios's energy or whatever. He just doesn't. He is fun to watch flirt with Alcibiades. I will give you that much. If you <laughs> just want to watch that happen, it's great. I have a hard time imagining Cassandra as the the was a Demos figure as like the murderous psychopath. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Spoiler. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but, <laughs> but but like so in as Cassandra, like I actually like win the Olympic and I like I but like the player can win the Olympic Pancration right, right. as yeah. Cassandra, which is again like a thing that like yeah, like never would but like whatever. They drag you out. It would be a <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't even start. Maybe she's the <laughs> one who disguised herself as a man and that's why they had the oh. rule that everyone has to now do the Olympics in the <laughs> nude to make sure. Yes. I love that it that's Cassandra. the excuse. 
why do we have to do this nude again? Because uh, a woman tried to do it one time. Doesn't matter. Take off your clothes. <laughs> I do appreciate that they went with her being Spartan, though, because that does yeah. much more jive with yes. kind of the independence that was given to Spartan women as opposed to Athenian women. So Yeah, I definitely don't think you could do this as an Athenian woman at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you have the Spartan woman mentality of having more of a say, right? Having more of yeah. an impact. Oh, she's almost like Gorgo mm-hmm. in that yeah. way, I feel mm-hmm. like, where she's like, ooh, she can actually like talk to men and tell people what's going on. Yeah, I really appreciate it just from the beginning. It was like there was no like real question of her being like any less terrifying it was like the what the first thing she does is like beat up some thugs right and it Mm -hmm. was like oh yep that's just who she is she's a badass and i love it (laughs) yeah yeah it's a really the voice actor is amazing the whole thing is is very well thought out very well written Mm -hmm. i think so i like that intention intentionality intention yeah they have intention um and i can tell and see what they're doing they've planned this out they even yeah they like colin was saying they sent uh their team to greece to see everything and so this is my argument for students of like this is why you need to study abroad look Mm -hmm. even like even ubisoft sent their their staff before they made this game because they knew they need to set it in this world and they can't do it from just pictures. You have to experience this world modern or ancient to understand what you're going to show truthfully on the screen. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. So yes, needless to say, Stephanie and Ruata, you have, you had my job. I wanted, I would love to work for, I don't know, a company Um, And this kind of brings me, I guess, then into a segue on like, how do we use this in the classroom? Because my thought was like, how do I get my students to have basically Ruata's job? What do I need to do to, because video games, anything, honestly, is much better when you have the background and you understand what's going on and you have at least some understanding or at least appreciation for the source material. It doesn't matter if it's ancient or modern if it's like a documentary or a drama on the screen or on the stage you need to know where this is coming from you need background and you need context in order to represent it faithfully and so for ubisoft to go off and get an archaeologist to do this and to show them look this is truthful and so what i want my students to what I want my students to learn basically is how, what do you need to know to get a job like this, to be influential, to be the background for the big makers, the big, the, the creative people. How, how can you guide the creative people? You get on a podcast and you say, uh, hire me, please. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which By is the way, what we're doing hint, right hint, now. I did that. <laughs> I don't want it to be like, you know, too begging and blunt blunted but please Um, (laughs) but that idea of like and actually video game there are uh, they're they're public they're private university not even universities but um full sail is a school in florida a university in florida she's doing air quotes yeah those are air quotes uh in florida (laughs) that actually does hire um myth and and archetype historians 
who can basically show there are archetypes in this world that we've come up with in mythology, across cultures. Let's give our video game designers and our full sale helps video game designers achieve things. They send people off to like Skywalker Ranch to do a bunch of stuff. And yeah, there it's a huge like in in the movie and video game industry. And they know that. So they hire that school hires people, archaeologists, people that know classics, people that know these fields um, in order to teach them, here's the background you need to know. And so for Ubisoft to like send their entire staff to Greece just so they can get that experience screams a load of information to me as someone trying to tell their students to go to Greece because, Mm -hmm. look, it's going to give you that context that you need that I can't give you in the classroom. I can only get you so far in the classroom. But until you're there and you're standing in front of the Parthenon, do you understand the scale of the thing and meet the people who are descendants of these people or just live around this stuff on a daily basis? Do you finally understand the ramifications and the importance of, of a site like this? My, my favorite experience is going into an H&M and going to the checkout and you look down. I think I was in ammonia looking down yeah. And it's a glass floor, so you can see the ruins that are below your H&M store. Like- exactly. These are the things that I love. Like, you're in a metro station, and then all of a sudden, there's an ancient, like, bridge in yeah. Monasteraki. Mm-hmm. There's a bridge underground that you're just like, that's the coolest thing, guys. I can't believe this is right here. And as Americans especially... From an American standpoint, we would look around and we're like, yeah, there's nothing old here. Well, that's because like a lot of the things that Native Americans built were biodegradable. It was out, they using baskets and soil and wood and structures that we just don't see anymore unless you're a trained archaeologist and know what a post hole looks like. So Greeks are building with stone and you just walk around Greece and you look down and there's a piece of pottery every time you step on the ground. A PSA to our listeners though, don't walk home with that piece of pottery. No. Because they will. <laughs> That's a bad the, thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and the Greek government will come after your ass. <laughs> or at least should. Yeah. It's so yeah, to go back to that context of like Sparta and the way they recreated Sparta, I was actually impressed that a lot of the things they made in Sparta for this game were actually what looked like to me to be wooden. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of the temples were like kind of ancient looking, much yeah. older looking wooden temples. And I was just like, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. We think about like the evolution of temples and we don't have that early phase because that early phase was wooden. Mm-hmm. That's why columns look like tree trunks and why Minoan columns are recreated as upside down trees, basically. That that's what they used and we just don't have those anymore so it's interesting to me to watch this kind of well if we can't if we need to show some fidelity to sparta then let's make the stuff stuff that maybe is gonna biodegrade let's make it mud brick let's make it wood um still big as hell and really impressive but wood which i yeah i appreciate a lot and i was i was just kind of thinking that like Thanks to Rick Riordan and Percy Jackson and all of that, like I, it feels like there's going to be a whole new wave of the classical world coming into media. And oh, there already is for sure. It, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's kind of 
it's also with this dilemma on the other side. Like I have a small class of archaeology lab and I have them like, all right, here's what archaeologists produce. It's a field report. That is what we <laughs> are required to produce for the public. I'm, and compare I'm sorry. To- I, I fell asleep at the mic, Kristen. I know, right? <laughs> That's like, how do we compete with ancient aliens, with video games, with like, we want to, to use Deb's word, fidelity. We want to be as accurate as possible, but that it is not going to get across to the public in the same way that these other, you know, some people, Ubisoft does it really great and, mm-hmm. you know, tries really hard, but then you have History Channel and what do you do with Oof. that? Um, yeah. And so, like, how can archaeologists, I think archaeologists and other scholars really need to find these ways to integrate into popular media. Like, we can't just dismiss it anymore. And I guess throwing it out there, what is what is everyone's thoughts on that, especially Deb? That's what I loved and wanted to bring you in for was you took this medium and it's like, we're going to teach with it and and give it some... I. Legs. There you go. Something like that. Yeah, I also gave it some more context, too. As much as Ubisoft does a great job putting it into its historical perspective, I felt like my students needed to understand the sources that Ubisoft was using. And so one of their assignments, actually, so the way that I basically structured the class is that it was a first year um, seminar. So at the University of Iowa, all the first years need to take a seminar to learn, you know, just basic skills, but also it's kind of like a cohort that they can become friends with and everything. Unfortunately, I taught this in the fall of 2020. Um, Yeah, I had written a grant in 2019 and received about $6,000 to put Xboxes in the classroom. Sweet. Everything sounds great. We get it all set up. It's ready to go. Spring of 2020 rolls around and we've got the room in working order. I start writing a syllabus and then COVID hits. We suddenly are all working online. And so I actually only got one class with students in person using the Xboxes. And for the rest of the semester, we had to have them use the game, just the um, version of the Discovery Tour, not the full game which Ubisoft gratefully provided all of my students with free codes for because they were like, that sucks that you guys are in the pandemic and you can't play the game now. Here's free codes for you so that you can play at least Discovery Tour. So they got to play Discovery Tour that way. And then we met on Zoom, which is a terrible way to show a game. And they would basically, before class, read ancient sources. And so a lot of it was Pausanias, But then there was also some Herodotus as well and a lot of Thucydides as well. So we're trying to like recreate everything using our primary sources. Hello listeners, this is Colin. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, we do not have the final minutes of our recording and our initial conversation with Deb Trusty. However, you can find Dr. Deb Trusty on Twitch and YouTube under Dr. Debitage, that's D-O-C-T-O-R-D-E-B-I-T-A-G-E, where she and her friends play video games influenced by classical civilization and mythology. And with that note, we are going to sign off. As usual, if you enjoy listening, you can find us on most streaming platforms, including Apple, iTunes, Amazon Music, 
Spotify and Stitcher. Uh, please like and review and please leave us review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. And tune in next week where we are going to be joined by a very special guest, Liv Albert from Let's Talk About Miss Baby, talking about the BBC original show Atlantis. And with that said, bye. Bye. Uh...